Welcome to Girl Flower Podcast with Vic and Jess. We will be having conversations and inspirational chinwags with florists and growers to keep you company in your workspaces, in the car, over a cuppa or wherever you like to listen. We hope to help you along on your own floral journey. Today we're in conversation with Emma Witcher of Martha and the Meadow. Martha and the Meadow are specialists in bespoke flowers for weddings, events and private parties and are based in the heart of Dorset. We find out about Emma's journey into flowers, the importance of being transparent with your prices, how she built her business and we also chat about the impact of the pandemic and how her passion for sailing has been reignited. We had such a wonderful chat so huge thanks to Emma and make sure you pop over to Emma's gorgeous Instagram, give her a follow and show her some love at Martha and the Meadow and enjoy the episode. So funny enough, I think, well, basically straight out of university, I went into kind of creative events up in London um, and uh, was working for, a, you know, doing, I was kind of the, the dog's body team when you're like 21 and you're trying to make that, that way. And I was always back and forth to the flower market, picking up ribbon and flowers for corporate events and um, loved it. And I remember working for a big events company doing all their Christmas events, you know, stapling huge big bits of velvet and making things look everything glamorous at nighttime. But during the day, it looked rather slightly dodgy, if that makes sense. And then you had to turn it around the next day. And uh, I worked for this company for about 18 months and unfortunately just London. I'm a country girl it just wasn't for me I was spending all my time in Putney rowing um trying to pretend I was by the coast or just escaping when I could out the weekends so um I phoned a friend with a Land Rover he came and picked me up and drove him back to my parents and I had to kind of reassess life tried to get back into events in Bristol but it wasn't the same gig so I was working for my mum and their business for about a year and I met Sabine Darrell uh who had a shop called the Gilded Lily in Castle Carey and I was kind of constantly fascinated with what she was up to and would always be in there for a cup of coffee and got to know her and still know her now. And she did my flowers for my weddings like 10 years ago. And she was an amazing inspiration. And I remember saying to dad, I kind of was like, I think I think I quite like flowers. And he goes, um, I love you sweetly, but you are not after everything, after university, going to be a florist. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bit of one of those kind of like, oh, okay. So um, I then went back into events for sailing uh and moved back to the south coast and for five six years worked for a sailing charity with kids with cancer which was incredible um i was teaching them fundraising still doing events in that setup and then um i basically met my husband and jumped on a big super yacht and traveled the world for eight years and that's wow. where my love of entertaining kind of rolled into the event side and then i suppose you could bring the creative back in because not only was i cooking you're making all these spectacular moments, just like we do for brides. Um, but around the world, you're making beautiful dinner parties, canapes, drinks parties, constantly keeping your guests on their toes. And in that process, not only we were bringing beautiful food in and edible flowers and fantastic wine and cocktails, you were also kind of, I was sneaking in the flowers. Does that make sense? I even mm. remember bringing four huge, big, giant palm trees onto a 120-foot <laughs> yacht <laughs> for a dinner party. <laughs> so I always kind of took things to the next level, obsessed with kind of how we felt folded our napkins. And um, I knew that that had to come to some point to an end because, you know, you just can't spend your life floating 
around looking after the rich and famous the whole time of your life it does get quite exasperating and so I started kind of thinking what am I going to do when I came home and I just had this idea and it went back to Sabine that I needed to do flowers um looked at a few courses I have to say I did do my city and guilds level two which is very very traditional and I did two weeks and was bored but it gave you a decent foundation and as part of that I had to do some work experience and I landed at the Sprout and Flower which is this incredible amazing little veg shop with beautiful florist which is run by Sarah and I was there for two years and then obviously had to bring the event side back in and then moved into my own business with flowers wow. so it's kind of like a semi-circle but or a whole circle but it does come back round. And what wow. year was that? Sorry? What year was that where you began your own business? So 2016 so it's been well before the pandemic the pandemic would have been our fifth year mm-hmm. um and then obviously it's been nearly two years kind of twiddling fingers God, <laughs> did you feel did you feel like it uh, just before the pandemic did you feel like you were really trying to you were really starting to get into your stride because that's probably about the time it takes really for a business to kind of establish yeah. itself yeah we yeah. were just like turning this big corner we just be taking you know we had lots we've still got them but they're kind of just spread over the next two years now you know lots of lovely big events with wedding planners and you know we'd really got a name for ourselves here in Dorset and I'd kind of made the decision not to travel too far um and just kind of concentrate on our local area and it was really working and then obviously I was really positive throughout the whole of the pandemic and then I think like everyone I think for me this last March to April kind of just was a bit flat it was like are we actually are we actually going to get through this is it is it going to be okay um but yeah no so it's it's now just trying to find a, a you know new feet and I think after everything also just trying to realize maybe a bit more of a life balance I think when you build your own business you can put Mm. your heart and soul into it and everything else can just maybe be put aside a bit um so Mm. we're kind of just stepping forward with a bit of a new focus which is quite nice actually so when you finished your college course and you'd you'd worked for the what was it Sprout and Flower. Sprouts and flower. Sprouts yeah. and flower. And so you worked for them and then you went you went alone. So when you, you started working on your own, were you on your kitchen table? Did you have like a garage to work in? How how was your first setup? I had the tiniest like five square meter little uh square building at the back of our house. It was tiny and I still don't know how how did mm. I do it? It was perfect because it was you know stone and cold and 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 lovely and perfect for flowers but yeah literally and then it jumped onto the kitchen table and basically for us there I had my eye on this plot of land at the back of our garden it wasn't huge but it was um it was ideal and uh had different access to it and so we bought it off the church and then during lockdown we've just built ourselves a lovely big fresh new studio that was our lockdown project with lots and it of is absolutely things. beautiful Thank you. It's so lovely. And I really enjoyed watching the process of it all coming together as well, because you, you, you yeah. I followed it all on stories um, and it's such a lovely space. How big is the space now that you're going to be working from? Yeah, so it's 30 square metres and we've built on the edge of it um, the wash station. So the sinks aren't inside, they're outside Amazing. just because I didn't dare have loads of fresh water floating around inside. But uh, yeah, that was my husband. And um, we're just finishing, just finishing the landscaping now. The weather just needs to slightly change. Um, but all the sweet peas are up around it and everything so it's looking fab and it's it it was a bit of a step but space is the most important thing but how do you build that into a small business where I didn't want to have the pressure of having a big unit 
mm. anywhere around here and you can't find anywhere in Dorset it's it's just really difficult so that was the best so, idea up, so up until now you've been doing all of your work from a five meter by five meter and then just spilling out into the kitchen table yes <laughs> wow yeah, amazing wow yeah. And it's only in a small cottage too. But <laughs> I suppose that's working on boats. I had to put how many course mills on a, on a little space, probably no square more than two two square meters. So, yeah. That is absolutely a valid point because yeah, you're used to living in kind of kind of contained spaces. So of course, yeah, you'd find that quite easy. You'd be like, well, I can do this. It's fine. I had one drawer for five years for all my clothes. <laughs> there, you go. there we go. Oh my God. Yeah. So I've had a, not the super yacht sailing experience, but I worked um, on uh, like a racing yachts uh, uh, converted for backpackers in the Whit Sundays. And then I did flotilla sailing. And yeah, you do literally have a a cupboard for everything. And I think, and especially when I was uh, flotilla sailing, I went over with like, one suitcase of stuff to unpack into the cupboard and came back with three because I was sailing around Turkey and there's loads of cheap markets and jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> How did you not buy everything on your way around? Were you just working I, so hard? Oh, we did. We did. And then a friend had their boat shipped back on a ship. And I just said, Do you fancy a nice meal? I think I could you possibly take some stuff back for us? And I literally loaded it all up and then phoned friends and said, Do you think you could possibly pick it up and store it for us? I came back with amazing pottery and everything, bikes, the whole lot. So, yeah. Wow. So, your cottage must feel really nice and spacious. And now having your big studio, I bet it feels lovely to be like full of the, the floristry clutter from your house. Yeah, I think, I mean, I always had a little bit of an extra store and I still keep that for all the big stuff. You know, now you get to, you know, everyone wants arches and stuff, so you have to have somewhere to put all of that. But the space moving forward after the pandemic has been really lovely. And sometimes like, I actually don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, oh, just seems too too much space. But yeah, um, that's been a big move forward. But it it is, and you know, I know a lot of florists start that way, especially when they're doing weddings and you've kind of got these gaps during the winter and you've got to look at cash flow and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. It's been nice and it's been great that it can still be at home. And I think I learned being on boats, you know, I just, I wasn't going to try and be anyone else but myself when I came back. I think when you work around those kind of wealthy individuals, you just have to stand forward. So I just thought, let's build a business around home and, and me. And yeah, the cottage does feel quite big, but it's still not big enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on a normal, uh, at a normal time in terms of weddings, how many weddings do you do averagely a year? Uh, it sits between about 28 and 35 um, and I would say some of those are big and some of those are smaller as much as we have a, a minimum price I do take on a few smaller weddings just to fill in some of those quiet weekends where you don't want to be absolute you don't want to lose every weekend mm. to big events so mm. um, yeah and at the moment that will probably I will probably ease that off a bit and maybe go down to about 25 I think for next year but obviously again next year is still quite full because we had so many brides moving from this year to next year in, mm. in January so um and then I think we've got yeah. about 20 this year to fulfill so um, yeah it's the same with me actually but they've everyone's smushed into both years so I thought you know it would be clear of it would be this year where everything's happening but there's been so many moving to 22 um yeah, exactly. but what can you do um, no. I'd like to speak a little bit about your um, website as we're on the subject of weddings. Um, Jess and I were having a look through your website and we love the fact that you've got all your kind of pricing guides. Aside from the fact your website's beautiful, that was the first thing yeah. you said. Um, but it was really interesting to see the kind of three kind of tiers of services that you provide and also yeah. a, a really large list of your pricing structure yeah. as well. 
Could you speak to us a little bit about that? Basically, I've, I mean, I've had quite a lot of people say thank you for having that on your site because it does give them mm. some understanding. I think I, first of all, found it quite important to, I know not everyone does it, but I just thought there's no point wasting my time with people that my prices aren't going to fit into their bracket. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, then, and then here in Dorset, we're not London, we're not sorry. There is a, there is a kind of tiered system of people. You do have your lovely farm weddings and stuff like that that might not want to spend a huge amount so um hence doing the different tiers allows me to be a bit more flexible so if mm. we wanted to do two smaller weddings on a day we could and then if we do a larger wedding then that is obviously a minimum and obviously then we can build that into if we travel out of Dorset and go further than those people you know they have to spend our higher minimum price um and including the delivery etc um but yeah so pricing wise I felt was really quite important to put on my website uh and it does help and then I know it just gives people an understanding of, of where I am. Because I think, I think we all know that flowers are not like picking a dress. No one really knows. I think this is such mm. a, I really feel like sometimes we need to put a price list on our Instagram when we say, hey, this beautiful photo. Yes. <laughs> but this is how much it's actually going to cost. Yeah. Um, and I find that is such, even, even if you've got a big budget, I still think people are surprised at how much flowers are. And on this side of the pandemic, I think it's really important with price hiking. You know, it has cost of flowers have gone up especially after mm. brexit and and all these other different things but if you don't if you aren't honest about your pricing from day one i think you can lead some people down the wrong track i think it's brilliant i think it's brilliant you've got there and your prices are exactly where they should be you know there's always talk about pricing between florists and how do you price this and some people go 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 really low and some people go really high but yours really do take into account especially with your big structures um you know with the arches they do take into account that you need manpower and you need a van and you need you know you need more flower stock it takes a lot of flowers and i loved the the line that you put the um uh put underneath it it's just kind of the end of your your paragraph it just says it's the level of investment they require it's an investment isn't it a big installation piece a hoop or an arch is an investment and I suppose it must filter out the the people that kind of think that they're going to have an arch and it's going to cost about 100 pounds you know it's 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 useful and I think you know I mean I've done some quotes this year and people have questioned it I was like well if you're if you want if you want one large big giant giant hoop you know full of beautiful flowers and that is your massive statement you know, that is two or three people, you know, going out. And I always say, don't forget ladder work is not one person. Mm-hmm. It is two, if not three. <clears throat> and um, and then by the time you're doing, you know, if you're doing something, you've got three people and you've got other people setting up because you have then got time constraints because not every venue, you can't rock up the day before and do it. You know, mm-hmm. same with the church. You can't always do an archway the day before. You might be able to put the mechanics up, but, you know, most of that needs to be done in the morning. And then there's the delivering of the flowers that also need to be done to the bride. And you've got to do the table flowers. And so when you actually start adding up time constraints, and if you have an early wedding, if you're a 12 or a one o'clock wedding, that really does start narrowing things down into, you know, tighter timeframes and then you need more people. So, um, yeah, I do think investment pieces with regards to prices, I think you can tempt people. You, and I see some people, I look at the prices and I go, that's a tempting price, but actually we all know how much foliage and archways costs. You've got to cover mm. the mechanics. You know, we yeah. can't go and forage every single piece. I mean, that takes hours and hours and it's not also fair 
on local trees or bushes. Or <laughs> and I love the I way. Do, that you... If I'm in a forest every bit, I don't think Dorset would have, you know, have everything. <laughs> <laughs> would be half as beautiful as it is now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you have to take this into account, I think. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound awful, but we are here to make some money as well at the end of it. Mm, I agree. And I really love your, I love your choice of the word investment because I know that that's the word that photographers use when they're pricing out and they'll say, there's a page that says investment and it will say the different packages and things like that. And mm. I think more, more now than ever. And, you know, with the, the scale and the level of flowers that we're putting out, there is event florists. People understand that it is an investment, not just, oh, we're throwing a, a few flowers on the table. Things have mm. really evolved in terms of kind of wedding and event floristry, you know, so there has to be, you know, it has to be seen as more than that. Yeah, totally. And I think I think there's this kind of thing if you work with a designer, whoever that is, and even if you do have a slightly, you know, constraint budget, if you just work with them, there are other ways we can all make, mm. you know, you can make investment pieces, but you can ease off somewhere else. So and they can still look beautiful, but it's mm. just that overall picture. And, that, and I think for me, it's the design concept from understanding what you what your client wants from that day and where you can where they need those pieces to make their thing punch you know their day personal to them um and then it says other places you know some people aren't really bothered about table flowers but mm. other people it's all about the table flowers if that makes sense and mm. it's finding out that balance and really where you proportion their budget throughout so I never give someone a flat quote I'll always just say I will take what we've taken from our initial conversation and I'll work through it and let me work out where you need to put your budget for the day based on our conversations rather than me saying this is exactly what this is going to cost and that that was you know giving distinct prices it's more like I think you need to spend this on your tables for it to look mm. amazing otherwise I think if you start detailing exactly how much every arrangement costs I think you can sometimes back yourself into a corner that's interesting that's an interesting way of doing it so basically you'll do when you send out your quote there'll be an area so table centerpieces this much um I, yeah so at the end I kind of I kind of give people bracket prices and say look yeah. until we have a consultation I can't tell you exactly but this is what you roughly need to send I always say you know I think you need to spend a minimum of this on your tables mm. but I also think you know you need to look at spending this between whatever you know thousand or mm. you know up to another level um and if you really want the next level you need to be looking at this bracket just so that they can understand where it fits within their budget of their day um mm. you know I, th I think flowers can be quite scary to price but I also think they need to have some understanding there is uh, a minimum minimum a medium and a, and, a, and a high does that make sense and yeah. I'd rather give that them from day one than just give them a flat quote I think because it's layer and, and the looks of tables and stuff like that even you know even investment pieces with archways it's all layering isn't it you can go for an archway but then you can go for beautiful flowers you can go down the aisle you know you can really start to build it up so it's not just one piece it's like how many extra levels do you want to add on top for it to look really beautiful and then I don't I don't think when they understand that then they can make that decision if that makes sense because we all know that candles are beautiful but they cost a lot of money I think there's a whack I got an email from the other day about whack shortage around the world oh <laughs> oh my god, god. we're bulk buying candles yeah so yeah that was yeah I was going to say, I think pricing is one of those things that some people feel very uncomfortable talking about. So, you know, it's it's that when you press send on your quote to somebody and it's just kind of like, oh, God, I, you know, have I priced it right? But you yeah. sound like you're very confident in your prices. And that's probably 
that probably works in your favor massively because if you just go no that is that's the price that's on my website that's my price look at my beautiful work and if you want this that's the price for it I have definitely become a bit stronger about that I think that comes with a bit of confidence and I and I and I think actually the little group of people you know I have a little bubble of not necessarily general florist but like a photographer a little wedding planner you know all of these people around us and we talk about it and we all kind of just say no we have to stick to our guns does that make mm, sense we know yeah. and you and when you meet people and you and you see emails or whatever you understand what they're looking for I know what some people's expectations are and I know even if they can't I will be very honest I have said that to people I've said look I know what your expectations are and I'm sorry if I don't think your budget fits there but if you trust me I can still make it beautiful but you just have to listen. Does that make sense? I think yeah. the, that comes probably from dealing with quite difficult people on boats for quite a while. I think it's managing expectations. For me, that's the big thing. It's, you know, you, could, you can go through all the little details of how much this costs and that stuff, but it's like, actually, at the end of the day, I can manage your expectation. If you're honest with me and I'm honest with you, let's just meet in the middle. Um, and I'm, I've always been a bit honest like that since day one. I'm not, I'm not going to try and, my clients might they hear this, I'm not going to try and butter you up. I will mm. tell you if you can't afford it and I will be honest and say I'm probably not the florist for you um but if you trust me and you like my work and you're prepared and I'm prepared to help you know meet in the middle then let's go for it so um yeah it's I think pricing is a really really important thing and I think florists need to be more honest with each other and their clients I think there's mm. quite sometimes there seems to be quite a lot of competitiveness where we kind of go oh well you know but just just have a frank conversation with a couple of us. I think it's really important because if not, we're all under, you know, you, they shouldn't be undercutting. Flowers are expensive. They're getting more expensive. You know, labor's getting more expensive. You know, these are the mechanics behind all these archways. They're not, they're not cheap. They're not like a 90 pound thing off Amazon. <laughs> One of those garden <laughs> arches. They're, they're big investments. And um, all of this has to, you know, you've got to build it into your business. And, you know, some people have shops and some people have, you know, bigger overheads than necessarily I do. But uh, I do think pricing is, is in, I just think honesty, just be honest. Mm. With Does that make sense? And then yeah, loads of sense. To work with you, uh, if they don't want to work with you, it's, you know, or then you haven't wasted their time mm. and they can yeah. move on and find someone that is right for them. Yeah, and they have, and they haven't wasted yours as well. Yeah. Oh well, I th- I think it's it's brilliant. But honestly, absolutely everything there is so brilliant. Like everyone needs to listen to exactly what you said because that is the key. Pricing is the key because pricing is the thing that is going to make your business successful. Um, because we are we love we're in it. We love the flowers, but really we like you said you need to make a living. Yeah, it's um, also going to give the, the customer what they want if you price yeah. it properly. Because if you if you don't price it properly, either you don't make any money or they don't get what they want or what they're expecting, no. which is, yeah. And so when I even give them the design proposal, I'll, you know, I will give them options. Like if you want one of those amazing bouquets, this is how much it's going to cost. But if you want, if you don't want to spend that, but you want a little bit less, it's still going to cost you this. You know, and the same through, if you want that amazing archway, it'll cost you this, but these are other options that mm. you can consider. And I think detailing that, they then have a bit more of understanding of A, they've got control over where they want to put their money during the mm. day. So they they feel a bit more in control. I always say, go have a glass of wine and sit down and work out where you want to put it, you know, where you want to invest your money. But otherwise, I also think they then understand, okay, well, really, I can't ask them. I can't now go back to her and say maybe, can't we have this for that? Because they've had it stated, you know, 
less less flowers in your archway is going to cost this but you want that big bang it's going to cost that you want all mm. those garden roses it's going to cost you that yeah you know. see i do a tiered kind of tiered proposal if yeah. someone's comes to me with a with a kind of wide-ranging budget say for instance there'll be a couple of options for an archway it'll be full glorious arch and it'll be lighter option yeah. um, because like you say it just makes it a lot easier for them to come back to you and say oh actually we are thinking of going for the lighter one rather than them just going yeah. oh, I'm just not going to get back to her because it's just too expensive for us and I don't want to embarrass either me or her but it is it's a much nicer way to do it yeah and I, I think I think it just makes people feel a bit more in control and not yeah. and I think flat quotes can be I think that's when you don't you get the kind of what you call the ghosting isn't it the disappearing mm um where which is no offense just waste time for all of us um mm. so if you can be honest from day one and move forward then it, it does work so yeah yeah amazing Pressing is pretty important for all of us <laughs> <laughs> I was going to change the subject from pricing a little bit and say so from your city and guilds then working for somebody else and then going alone when yeah. how long did it take you to get that job the one that made you feel like you were on the right that was that was on the level that you wanted to be at did you quickly find that you found your customer or did you do a few jobs first that you were like oh god <laughs> think we all have a couple of those at the very beginning um but I have to say the first summer I think I started in the Feb, like the February the March by the time we got the website up then I got a really late booking funny enough for a wedding venue here in our village called Shillingston House and uh, she's a lovely couple they didn't have the world's biggest budget but she just trusted me and then that got uh shared everywhere and then it was on um was it Rock My Wedding and then that kind of slightly just kicks things so within the first six months that slightly kicked things in the right direction and built a name quite quickly around here. And then I think within the first, maybe the second year, we got a couple of nice bigger weddings. Does that make sense? Mm. Slowly year on year, it has just gradually built. But that I think, and then I got like a, a nice wedding, a smaller wedding with, uh, I got noticed by a couple of wedding planners. It was quite nice. Then I also got noticed by a couple of, I got to work with quite a few foreign photographers randomly which was you know like American fine art photographers which was quite nice and I always mm. used to fall off my chair and I used to get these emails and it's like oh, oh. <laughs> photographed Ponderosa and time what the hell do you want to come oh, and find wow. in, in Dorset I have no idea I, you know they, you know that was um Marielle they were just little things I don't it was it was you know you got the weddings but it was just I think also there was a lovely wedding with Imogen uh who's a photographer here Imogen Exania fine art photographer actually meeting her very early on made a big difference because she photographed my flowers the way I see them and mm. I think she's been she's been a she's like now one of my best friends but we've grown our businesses alongside each other and we've just I think that really did help she we did a lovely small shoot at St Giles house so we got our foot in there then we got noticed by a planner who organized the launch for Warmwell house and we did that as a shoot but we were also there and had we were invited to have the dinner and that's where I met Jenna Hewitt and a load of other wedding planners so mm. it was it it was just I don't it was a couple of different clients but I just think actually it was just a few other things in there one of them definitely is Imogen I have to thank her massively for that because her photographs made the world's biggest difference um and then it was just a few other layers on top of that that just got noticed so I think 
possibly that may be a bit of a background in marketing that I used to have, you know, that's what my degree was in. So it was just, there was a whole kind of little spider webs of things that just slightly pushed it forward and then being able to be noticed by the right people. And you mention everybody on your website, don't you? You've got like a friends bit. So everybody that's like helped you along the way or you work with, you kind of mention them on your website, which must be brilliant because as because if, if there's a bride and groom looking for all those things, it's almost a one-stop shop, isn't it? They can just go and find everybody there. Yeah, and I think it's really important for that. I think if you can find a team of suppliers that work together and, and not just friends behind the scenes, but really respect each other's work and you want that level of wedding, they are the ones that have always popped for us. Does that make sense? I think mm. there's been this, you know, we've done a couple and we've actually, funny enough, we've got one in later in August which is a bride who had to move from a big house and she's going to have a local lovely beautiful fine art marquee wedding and we've got the whole kind of lovely Dorset team together and we're all so excited I think that's sometimes quite nice I think then people can see the photos they've all done before and they know that's what they're going to get it's like a bit of a bit of a little package it sounds the word package sounds awful but you know what I mean? <laughs> you've got pre-products of what you're going you know pre-imagery of what you're going to see so um but yeah, it was definitely a few little spider mo- web moments that definitely led me into a couple of those bigger weddings. And I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was just a few tick moments along the mm. way. Um, yeah, so I think it was probably probably the first year that wedding with um, Upper Hero Shillingston House, I got Grace and Alex. And then we the next year we had Rachel and Wayne and St Giles and etc etc it's amazing with it's all the chance encounters and the avenues you choose to go down and oh what would happen if I never did that shoot or what would happen if I never met this photographer it is it's those chance encounters and it's also a um a kind of learning process of saying yes to things as well so yeah. what and learning said, to say no to things and learn well. to say no absolutely yeah a hundred percent yeah yeah, yeah. And I, I do remember actually early stages I got asked to go and see someone and they were like oh do you want to do some flowers for this guy and I just I remember coming back, sitting down, I went, Alex, that's not where I want to go. And he just said, it's my husband. And he just said, well, say no, just say no. And I said, well, is it the right thing to do? He said, just say no. You are, you know, you have every right to do that. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I thought, actually, the yes is just as important as the no, In the especially if you have a clear idea of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably did. Does that make sense? I knew, mm-hmm. I knew where I wanted to pitch my business. And I'd done a bit of a business plan before and saw that there was a bit of a gap in the market here in our area and that Dorset slowly is surely as a county despite the fact we have no motorways um <laughs> it's own. and it was it was kind of starting to flourish and and we may not be the Cotswolds but we've always jokingly said we might be the next Cotswolds because we Dorset are is beautiful though and I think it's a benefit having no motorways because it's just yeah. you know you really have to go on an adventure and find places and I'm imagining you're um kind of surrounded by some pretty beautiful venues and scenery as well not too far yeah so I'm just north of Blanford so I kind of say I'm in the middle of middle of the county really um but then we've got the coast and we've got like I mean the Smedmore house which is not actually that well known and it is just stunning it's got you know it's this beautiful Georgian house with views right down to Kimmeridge Bay um you know mm-hmm. you can get married down by the coast and then you've got obviously St Giles which is the big big wows around here which is 20 minutes away from Summerlee but Walmart house which is really beautiful which is um I think it's like a Tudor house but you can have beautiful marquee weddings then we've just got some really beautiful farms if you want the more laid-back rustic stuff and then um you know we've got quite a lot of private home weddings and then if you 
stop over the border into uh, South Wiltshire, then you've got some stunning homes up there like Hatch and Bits and Pieces. And do you find, so we are do really you, lucky. Yeah, do you find that the people who are coming into these venues, are they people from the Dorset area or do you find it's a lot of people coming from the city into the country? So for me, I would say a third of it may have like connections to Dorset. So some people have got, you know, parents live down here, they've got holiday homes down here, etc. Do you see that? But a lot of them are more, I think, becoming more city based from London. Nearly all my clients are London based coming this way. Um, I think they want that weekend away. They trying to find something a bit different. Uh, if it's a coast, you know, there's not many amazing coastal venues across the South Coast. So a couple of them, people really snap up because you are literally getting married, you know, Stubborn Bay, right across the views to the Needles, you know, nice big country houses. And you've got some great, you know, you've got the pig on the coast and, you know, all those kind of nice hotels. So I think slowly but surely it is becoming a bit more known. It's, you know, because a lot of people used to go to Cornwall and a lot of people used to go to Devon. Well, they used to go to the Cotswolds, but now some of the venues in Dorset are attracting more of that clientele base which is is is, is nice to see actually mm. definitely it's because Cornwall's full always <laughs> so, it's like I used to go to Cornwall every single holiday when I was a child we all used to get in the car and go down there and it was beautiful um but yeah so I'm 41 now so I suppose goodness me that's a lot of years ago and now and we I went down a few years ago with with my children my family oh my goodness it is full you can't go anywhere and it's just it's crazy so yeah you, and it's a long way to go isn't it so you know the from Midlands way. depending where you are yeah yeah but from <laughs> yeah. Midland, Midlands way you know going down to Dorset you can go to Dorset for a weekend like you say weddings for a weekend um but yeah, Cornwall's just too far. You'll be the yeah next Cotswolds. That's Dorset. Yeah, well, we joke. We, we sometimes we say we don't want it as a county, and then we say, well, it'd be quite nice. I would like yeah. to come somewhere I could get sushi delivered. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Delivery doesn't exist here. I mean, you're local lucky if you get like ham and chips in your local pub. It's just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we oh, are in the a- nowhere. Yeah, but there's something nice about being that rural. I'm with you on being that country girl that, you know, tried to live in a city for a while and just, you know, missed missed bare feet on the grass. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. So as well as your your beautiful weddings, um, you also host workshops. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah. So we start that, the idea was the studio to build that. And um, we've just done like our first test, test run of little, you know, this spring, as soon as we could open and um, I suppose that comes back from the fact that I used to teach a bit of sailing, um, used to teach a bit of cooking when we were out on the boats. And uh, I just really love it. I think it's really important, especially when wedding work gets so stressful. It's quite nice to share your love of flowers with other people, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, it's been a real success. We've just done some simple ones. I've actually got a small one-to-one again on Friday at the end of this week. Um, we've done some lovely one-to-ones. I've got a couple of avid followers that seem to keep looking up for everything um and yeah I just I I just I just thought it was a nice thing to do and break up the monotony of events and I think events are wonderful but sometimes you can get a little bit exasperated especially if you run yourself a bit ragged so to Mm -hmm. have those breaks and kind of share the passion and knowledge that I've learned off other people or I've I've learned through misadventure or whatever like that with flowers you know it's nice to share that you know and um I've been really excited and it's been quite fun. So I've now just got to get my head around and put my Christmas ones up and, and all of that because, oh, my God, that will Oh, my God, can't, don't say the C word in July. <laughs> it's not very far away. I know, I know. 
so yeah it it's i just think it would i think who doesn't want to come to the you know to a lovely little place in dorset for a morning and we have a lovely little bakery next door so they do all the good you know baked goods for us they set up a bakery during covid because they lost their business um and uh yeah it's it was just something i was very excited about so we've done some one-to-ones hand ties you know uh what do we do I, one of my bride's mums came she bought one as a gift and then her mum booked the following you know for the next one she loved it so much and I thought that was so sweet so it's and that I kind of I've always said it's been quite nice to keep the loop in because I don't mm. the only thing with weddings is you have these lovely clients but because you're not a shop it's not you don't you see them and you may never see them again or you know you can keep in touch mm. but it's quite nice to have a bit of a loop yeah. so they can come back in and that was lovely with Christmas and when we did our Mother's Day flowers and stuff, you know, it was all past clients ordering them. You know, it was just lovely. And I got to, I felt really touched that that was, you know, the family is out there and my clients still are happy to keep in touch and still follow. So I quite like that closing the loop, if that makes sense. So, um, so for you, with yeah. your workshop, so, so it sounds like it's more your like past clients, like learning Christmas reads, hand ties, that kind of things. And then your one yeah. on one to ones. Are they other florists coming to you or are they just people that want to learn, learn more? Bit of both, bit of both, really. Um, I mean, I've got I haven't haven't overly pushed it all yet. I've just been trying to see if it works. And um, yeah, so we've got I've had a couple of local florists that are just keen to learn a few different things. I've just had some avid, avid flower um ladies that are just I think that possibly want to be florists does that make sense but don't have the confidence mm. I even have an ex-bride a bit like me with Sabine she was like you know I've, since my wedding flowers I've always wanted to do it but I've never really known how to go around it I was like well come spend a day with me and you know her husband bought it as a gift for her so um you know so it's been that's been quite quite nice um so it'd be quite ex- exciting to see where that goes and it's just also I think is like kind of not overfilling your diary of weddings and kind of saying no I'll give myself some time to do this let's let's it's I think it's for me it's quite a good diary control because it's sometimes too easy to say yes to everything mm. so if I can say well no here's three weeks to kind of concentrate on you know offering some nice country mm. workshops and let's do that um so I'll be excited to see where it goes and I've got some ideas for some stuff for winter and spring before we know it'll be here <laughs> well we look forward to seeing that we, we definitely yeah. do um do you have many growers around your area and many local growers? Yeah, do. we do. Um, it's not, they're not easy to find actually. Um, so we've got, I've had one that I, again, started my, I started the business. She started at the same time. That's Lizzie from Pugs Meadow. She's up on the A30. She's, um, she's phenomenal. Um, she's honest. I wrote to her the other day saying, you know, what do you have? She's, I don't have anything. I'm having a terrible time. I was like, okay, oh. great. <laughs> 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 and you know I quite like that honestly but she knows me now and I don't have to I just say I need this and she just gets it and she'll send me buckets they might be mixed she just she knows what I like and she always throws in a few things I would never have could be asked for and then um we've got uh there is Katie Priestley from the Dorset Flower Co she also does local bouquets for her own stuff and that kind of wedding buckets she's one of my freelancers as well um, but she grows beautiful edible flowers as well as beautiful cut flowers. And she's another fab one. And she's, I don't know how she does everything in her day. She's got three children. <laughs> Mind blowing. You know, um, so she's brilliant. There's uh, Paul um, at Black Shed Flowers, which is like a mini florette. Oh, wow. Oh, really? <laughs> she's, 
it's very interesting to see a gentleman's approach to flowers and then and then a, and then a lady you know like you know some female growers he's just gone off full steam ahead and he now has field after field after field um he's really renowned for his dahlias um so he is also a great one and then we've just got a couple of smaller ones that i use on a regular basis God, um, definitely looking up black shed flowers i bet yeah, he's gone I, I bet it's i bet it's really organized and like all the before he threw anything in the ground i bet it was just like all prepared properly because i yeah. totally know. i bet he didn't lose his tags on what got planted yeah no <laughs> <laughs> like me <laughs> It, it's phenomenal like I'll go back like, I haven't been back this summer because obviously we just get back to events and I was like I'll go back there and there'll be a whole nother <laughs> field with a whole nother load of flowers and I'm like how do you how do you have time to grow this it's like you know a couple of acres now pretty jam-packed so wow. um so yeah but he's he's been um he's been a, a great source uh and then obviously there's the larger suppliers that we all use but if you know I do try and keep it local if I can and and supporting them is really important because growing flowers in today's environment is I mean, the spring they've had, the summer they're having, it's... it's so really it's, hard. yeah, it's my first year of growing and um, I'm just impressed when I, you know, when I sell flowers. It's amazing. And, you know, certain things have, have not gone well and certain things have been blooming brilliant. And I'm going to be the same that Sage is, uh, as your, your friend that you mentioned in a few weeks' time where it'll be kind of like, got nothing, got nothing mm. for a few weeks and it'll be waiting for the next lot to come through. But it's lovely that my local florist is supporting me and you know they'll get uh, a bulk dutch order and then a few buckets of the british stuff for the for the important bits and it makes all the difference to the look of your arrangements doesn't it it, it really it really does and i think if you can work with them so the lovely thing with the three main girls around here is we didn't really get a chance to do it before covid but we will do it for next year is they wanted to sit down with their main purchasers and kind of say what do you need what would you like us to grow you know we want to make sure that we've got what you want and I thought that was really lovely and it's kind of you know we're all quite honest with each other because they said we can grow certain stuff but if you don't want to buy it what's the point of us mm. growing it and she says you know you've all got your favorites and I just keep saying to them more white sweet peas you never <laughs> none of you none of you grow enough white sweet peas uh, so please can you keep putting more of those in the ground because you can't go wrong um so yeah I think I mean I tried growing some stuff I admire anyone that does it it's not easy I think I lose my patience um after a while it's always it's also a timing thing you can't do it all <laughs> you can't <laughs> you can't I'm good at growing sweet peas but I grow them for myself yeah sorry Vic I interrupted you then what were you going to ask I was going to ask about your cutting patch because I, I correct me if I'm wrong it does say something on your website about having a small cutting patch so yeah have please. you are you trying kind of trialing it have you got things or is it just your sweet peas now that you're like well sod no, it I, put them in a vase. I have got stuff but I have to say again uh, I used to be when I had my allotment it was pretty impressive um this year after spring that spring was I have one zinnia sitting in my cutting patch looking kind of high. I was like, where, where's the rest of them? Where have you all gone? You know, it's just like, and, you know, and, and I came out and, and, and Katie was like, I think I need to get you some meter. I said, I think I've lost my green, green touch, Katie. I said, it's gone all a bit wrong this year. I said, my, I had one cosmos. I'm not joking. It popped its head. It was two inches tall with a flower the size of a one penny piece. And I just kind of go, I would love to do more of this. And I've tried to grow stuff that I love, but, I think I will go address it because I've got like five, six beds outside the studio now that were supposed to look beautiful. They're still looking a bit ragged. Um, uh, and it doesn't help that I've got visiting rabbits that are now gnawing at everything. 
Um, and I, I don't want to get rid of them because they're too cute in the morning. I thought like I could be to Rabbit's Garden. <laughs> Seconds of my life. Um, but yeah, it is. It is. I, I didn't do it last year because we got rid of the allotment um, and then we were waiting for this. But I will try just even if it was for workshops and you just have that kind of those few extra bits. That I know I love, but that spring was I thought lockdown will grow loads of stuff. I was just staring at things going, are you doing anything? This is so depressing. You know, so, it sounds like me and my garden. It's <laughs> <laughs> where the plants come to die. <laughs> it's just... I think the tenacity to do that I seriously admire growers and we all need to support them more and more and I feel sometimes I feel so frustrated when I do weddings and actually I think I could you know where I I really need to push more and try and find more of those those um, styles or you know push the English more and push people around certain looks because we do need to support them more because they are having a tough time I think they've had three years of horrific weather Mm. so um yeah, but I, th- I think as well, it's not just it's not just the weather. It's it's also you know you you said earlier on that the the Brexit, the prices, the the imports, you know, the environmental aspects, all of that. It just does it it bodes well for British growers if we can all Especially. produce enough. And you'll find that. So I went to visit a grower down the road from me, and my zinnias, Jesus, I feel like I'm going to pull them out. They are not <laughs> going to do anything at all. Her zinnias beautiful but then but she's a few miles down the road from me and yet my straw flower are just as bushy and massive as anything and she had you know single single flowers on the top so it's like one of them may succeed with something one of them may fail whereas if if you and if you can if we can all get together and we can all grow different things and we can supply all the florists yeah and I think what's nice to see here down in Dorset is a lot of the local growers trying to team up with each other so rather than you you know, you're saying you want X amount. If they can't fulfil, they're trying to now work as like a little co-op, saying, yeah. well, actually, let's, let's all work together and let's try and get some of these bigger orders in, which is really nice to know because, obviously, when we get to the bigger events, the quantity, you know, is what we require. And that's where Paul, actually, with Blackshed, I know he's um, he's quite good on that because, obviously, he's growing on, on, on a level of volume. So um, yeah. it's worth you guys looking on Instagram. Oh, I'm going well. to. I've written him down. I'm going to go there in a minute. Yeah. So... So you're, you know, you're quite busy as well. So you can't be managing this whole thing on your own anymore. You must need, or are you? Are you a no, wonder no, woman? No, I've got freelancers, but I do do all the accounts, marketing and all that stuff behind the backs myself. Yeah. I've said the accounts probably only get looked at twice a year. But mm. yeah. Oh God, mine are awful. Don't even, don't even. We won't, we won't tell you where Jess has stashed her receipts. And you don't <laughs> want to know where I put mine. You really don't. <laughs> Oh no, are yours worse than mine? Mine are basically in a big old box in no particular order. At least um, yours are all in one place. <laughs> I've got a drawer, bags, bags, folders. They're everywhere. So when it comes to actually getting them all together, I'm like, oh my God, where did I put that stash of receipts? It's awful. Oh, anyway, no. oh, we can't yeah. talk about that. It's no, we've all been not. there. Oh, I'm going yeah, no. to pay someone. <laughs> I've, um, I'm just building up a really lovely little team of freelancers. Um, which isn't always easy and I don't know if you find that it's not because it changes on a regular basis they they come and work with you they start then they start their own business then they flourish and then they're off on their own and you just felt that you you know we had um lovely I had lovely Molly and I just thought brilliant I can't wait to work with you next year and she's like hey mum I'm setting up my own shop I'm so and I'm so proud of them what they've done but it's like oh (laughs) so it is a bit like that and it's and I know it can be quite difficult because we can't offer the regular work all the time and our diary is so dependent on those kind of variable 
factors you know when weddings are booking if it's more of a spring heavy season or if it's more of an autumn you know sometimes it just isn't even throughout the year so um the ones I've got I'm desperate to keep um but it isn't always easy but I do think as a little community around here as far as we are very kind of quite honest and helpful with each other mm. saying we can't do it I don't think I can commit for this season because I've got too much coming up myself um but yeah I've got a lovely little team slowly and it does change on wedding to weddings you just got to be flexible it's like a different crew on a different yacht you just got to work with who you've got um but still you still do a fair bit yourself you know so yeah. I, if I do the big event, events you do see me rushing around with the broom so I'm like I've hired you I trust you you get on with it I know I've got to run around and manage everything um so I think people do laugh when they see me sweeping <laughs> my management style you know it's like if i if i i wouldn't i wouldn't have hired you if i don't trust you to do it so um and i know what other bits need to do be done within time limits i think that when you work worked in events in the past i think that's a bonus i have you you, i kind of even when i used to do cooking or food you always have to work to a time limit and i know how Mm. to get that done and if you can't see it happening some people aren't as fast as kind of getting everything back in the van or the logistical stuff so it's easier for me to do that and someone just to carry on filling some flowers yeah yeah I think we're all we all you know are used to doing all the all the real rotten jobs as well aren't we you know we all we all clean out those disgusting stinky buckets and sweep Mm. up and you know and uh, I was speaking to a a florist friend earlier and she was at a setup the other day and she ended up wiping all the tables you know because that hadn't been done you just do it don't you because you do. because you're in events and because you kind of see these these little details it's never you ideal do. but it's really important that that is part of all of you know focus you're there to make someone's day happy and if it means that you're oh, I just laughed actually I was telling the story the other day I remember there was a wedding we did down at Studland beautiful beautiful gorgeous peonies in the church outside the church I remember the vicar just said hi he said what's wrong I said it's quite hot in the church he said yeah I turned the boiler on I said surprising mm. thing to do it's already 30 degrees outside he said yeah and now i've lost the key uh, oh no so there oh, i am knowing that i said to the girls i said look i said girls go finish the marquee i said i've got to help this this vicar i said he's about to have a nervous breakdown i said if i and there i am crawling around on the church you know on the grass outside trying to find this key to salvage hundreds of peonies inside oh, a church God. i was like you know did you did you it. find it oh goodness yeah, me we did find it but you kind of just have to say there's certain things that are more of a priority. I could have run sorted stuff while they were getting married, but I was like, if I don't get, if I don't get this boiler switched off, you know, turning the church from six degrees back down to some normal temperature, wow. then I won't have a wedding. No, and the bride and groom will pass out as well, <laughs> and all their guests. Oh my goodness. Totally, that's you know, but there you just have to deal with all those things, isn't it? There's so many things that flock up on a day that you have to kind of go. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do with that? You know, how can we help? And you, I think florists do seem to get involved with other aspects how many times have I had to kind of say to the girls we're not there to to hoover the floor yeah 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 just can't resist though can we can't actually resist it no Um, on so has your season started are you are are your Uh, weddings up and running we had my big my first bigger wedding is on Thursday so um midweek weddings I'm trying to get used to that's a whole Mm. new thing um but we had a very busy May and then June was dead for us so that was a whole month off which was quite nice but I thought I'd be painting the house but I was just so busy with admin trying to finalize all these weddings that kind of you know leaning up to the August uh, and into October um and then basically yeah so it's Thursday and then it starts 
rolling into then with a week off in August and then rolls through to the middle of October. Wow. And in amidst all of this floristry work, your business, you, you know, we keep on referring back to your sailing, but you are now that you've been away all weekend sailing. And so what, what race is it you're training for? Can you? Um, I'm training for the Fastnet race, which is um, a rock in the middle of the Irish Sea. Um, so we race out of Cowles, which is on the Isle of Wight, and you race out to the Irish Sea, and then you go head back into France. I think it's about 650 miles as the crow flies, but by the time you tack, I think it's about 750 miles. So it's about five or six days. Okay. It could be, it could be four, it could be six. And, and, when it, and when is this race happening? Uh, on the 8th of August. So I okay. took... Yeah, I've taken two weeks off. I have weddings on the Friday, uh, the Thursday, the Friday, and the Saturday morning. Rock up on the boat on Saturday night, like some hopefully rock star, and wow. <laughs> sail off on Sunday morning. And um, are you are you still having to train a bit more in between going? Um, I've done all my qualifiers, my first days, and my sea survival. That was all fun, so I've had to fit all that in. Um, we might have one more training weekend, but at the moment, no, it should be a clear run. But then. I've got a couple of other sales days I'm doing with some friends racing with them. And then I'm trying to prep our own little yacht that we bought for racing next year. So, so yeah, just trying to keep myself busy. I don't have kids, so I might as well, you know, two working cockers and a, and a boat and a, and a garden. That's all you need. really. <laughs> God, yeah. We haven't spoken about Martha. That's how the, the name of your business came about, isn't it? Your lovely dog. Yeah. Um, that was over a large glass of uh, wine and we were trying to all think my my maiden name was Huddett, which is terrible, um, unless you try and put it with a French accent. Um, and uh, <laughs> Witcher is my married name. So none of those worked. And so we literally, um, the day we ordered, well, the day we ordered, the day we per- bought Martha or, you know, went to go and find her as a little puppy was the day that we turned down a big job on a, on a 90 foot sail yacht with a new owner. And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, the only way I'm going to be able to stay is if I get some kind of commitment. Oh. Um, so that would have to be the dog. <laughs> so she came along and I had a bit of a recession when I worked in the States with Martha Stewart because she had a boat next door to us. Um, we're in a, in a bay in America and I tried to keep getting our guests to invite her on for a, for drinks so I could ask for a job. <laughs> oh. um, and they never did. They didn't actually quite like her. So hence she's named after oh. my obsession, Martha Stewart. Um, and... Um, yeah, so we just decided there's a meadow at the back of the house and one of my friends came up with it and we went, fine, that'll do. Just, you know, she's the reason I'm here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Oh, she's so, the reason yeah. you're here. That's so wonderful. That is so oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. So as long as she's in, she's very, very friendly and she sits there when we do workshops, just staring at people going, please can you throw my ball? Um, oh. Enjoy. <laughs> So Martha is keeping you here and Sabine brought you to flowers and you're extremely busy with sailing as well, which is, is like a, a, it's a, a full-time hobby sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Are you, a, sa- are you think- a sailor with a flower problem or a florist with a sailing problem? <laughs> I don't know. It's quite a weird, I was thinking about it this weekend. It's quite an odd kind of combination because mm. Floristry is this lovely, floaty, you know, pretty, girly, very girly. And then I kind of go off at the weekends and I'm stuck with men, uh, you know, <laughs> mostly men. Um, you know, it, it's offshore and it isn't 
and it isn't anything girly does that make sense you have to hold yeah. your own and you're having to deal with all those no offense those <clears throat> innuendos and you just have to get on with it and I jokingly I think I, I cooked the food this weekend and yesterday it was we're in the middle of the English channel and I insisted that we kind of set that sat down and I got some stupid bit of material and a couple of grapefruits and said there I've made you a tablescape and you know, <laughs> yeah. out some tin foil and, and and you know you know and they're like what are you doing I was like actually this is my job and they're like Em we can't see this this doesn't seem to be your job what do you know they just they don't see this fluffy side of me um but I've been doing it since I've been racing since I was 15 so um and then off, obviously off the board so it's I just realized after COVID I missed it and I realized mm. I've been focusing too much on my job and you know put my heart and soul into it and I was like I have to get something back for me it's just but is the career going to carry on being flowers is that the dream yeah definitely it's um for me it's 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 my happy that's my other happy place does that make sense I think I put mm. my Instagram that told you picture of me this weekend you know I'm happiest around flowers but I feel very much myself on a boat and I suppose that's exactly how my childhood was my dad was the sailor. My mum was the arty farty one. You know, we used to go down to the meadows and play with flowers in our hair and, you know, grow vegetables in the back plot and have flowers. And she's still very much like that. And, you know, we spent all our time in garden centres together. So it's, it's, I'm my parents' daughter, if that makes sense. I'm the country mm-hmm. girl, but I'm also the boaty girl that dad took sailing every weekend. And, you know, I think through life sailing for me was a bit of a way to get through a bit of a tough time at school when I was about 14 15 16 and you know it's my identity and um I kind of you know that was how I just pushed through and it was something I've always always loved but there was always the other creative side of me Mm. and it was just trying to find the balance and after traveling the world I think I've been able to find the balance kind of coming back to that and it's, it's a bit of an odd combination but I think you've got to do what makes you happy and I think this last year has proven to me so much there's no point wasting time time is too short yeah Um, and we've really got to do and if it means I don't take on as many weddings because and you know I've booked out dates for next year um I think that's something the industry is it's too easy to say yes and before we know it your summer has gone and Mm -hmm. I really think it's quite important you know and I have sat down and actually a couple of others you know of us have said fine what dates don't we want to work next year let's clear those diaries and don't be tempted to say yes so if people inquire they're already booked um good on you that's brilliant that is brilliant because because it's it's the perfect work-life balance you've got to get those dates booked out the fact that you've you've kind of had that period of time in covid to really really think about priorities and like you say life is too short to not do the things you want to do take on less weddings do a little bit more of the sailing but you can have that balance and you've got your teaching there as well. So you'll have work there out of season and things like that. It's, it's ideal. Yeah. yeah and I, I think then it gives you room to breathe. If you can come off the roller coaster of events a little bit, then you can see what else you can do with your business. And I yeah. think that's really important. Um, you know, and I've, I've had a whole weekend where apart from doing a dodgy tablescape on a table with a couple of grapefruits, I haven't <laughs> thought about flowers. <laughs> you know, I've literally just come back and, as much as I'm a bit tired, I can come back and feel refreshed and, and kind of go at it again and with a bit of excitement and, and then really put my heart and soul into it. But I think when it's every weekend after every weekend, and we all know that once you're doing a wedding on a Saturday, you've got to break down on a Sunday or a Monday and then it's cleaning the buckets, it's reordering the flowers and mm. you actually don't get much of a break. There is no weekend in a season um, and it's too easy to get to the end of it. And then you don't want to resent, you want to go into every wedding feeling 
slightly refreshed. And I know there's a lot of florists, well, everyone, isn't it? Wedding planners, photographers that are running through this season without a single break. And, you know, we all might think it's brilliant, but I think at the end of it, we all might feel a bit, a bit exasperated. So it's trying to find things for me to know that at the end of it, I'm still going to enjoy that last wedding at that last end of October with as much vigour as I did in the one in April. So, oh, that's such good advice. Yeah, it, is. it really is. It's a real pity that my hobby is gardening and my job is growing. Oh. <laughs> well, the only problem I have is that I come back after sailing and the garden's full of weeds, so my time off is pulling them all up and sorting that out. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a very odd combination, but it is it yeah. is quite lovely. I have had to say, say that Imogen and I, because my husband manages some boats, we desperately need to get out and um, do a photograph, like a photo shoot, actually on a boat and put some flowers on a boat. Oh, yeah, I look forward to seeing that one. So, yeah, you know, a bit like um, you know, like Newport or Rhode Island or some of those big Californian weddings, and have a bit of fun. Oh, that sounds yeah. lush. Oh we'll yeah, definitely that. do that. Yeah, really look forward to seeing that. Hope you get it done. And I'm really glad that you're not you're not giving up floristry for sale. I'm glad you're going to have the balance of the two because your work is so utterly beautiful. No, really I don't is. think we've even even discussed how gorgeous your your work is and all the images that you put on your website and your Instagram and everything are just so lovely. They really are, you know, they they're really cool they're very inspirational and they're very light and airy but they're opulent and they're they're you know wonderful we think you're very talented so well done do you know what it's so very kind because I just I just I never I just I just I've always said this I said it to people that I was doing on my workshops I just do what comes from the heart I don't try and I sometimes just don't try and question it does that make sense and mm. I know it sounds stupid that's literally it's not too overthought it's just how I see things and um and it's the very kind that people like it. Sometimes I do question myself how I've ended up there. <laughs> oh, well, your work yeah. is amazing. And for you to have like two crazy talents, so completely amazing at flowers and also a, an amazing sailor. sailor? <laughs> Yeah. Sailor? Yeah. yeah. yeah yachty, yachty. Yachty. Yeah, I'm not the Ella MacArthur. I wish I was, but I'm not. Yachty. But, um, I love it. But that's yeah. brilliant. So well, yeah. well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for doing this podcast i mean look at you girls you must be flourishing is it nice to talk to lots of different people oh we love it yeah it really is yeah it's just basically us indulging ourselves to to speak to people and find out what makes them tick and i think it came from a time where we kind of needed a bit of inspiration didn't Mm -hmm. we Vic? we were loving what we were doing i was on a bit of a, a you know not sure which way to go and speaking to people and finding out what keeps them going and realizing that we're all in the same situation we all have the same um issues and, and problems and i think as well lots of our listeners you know are small start out florists and listening to the to people who are you know four years 10 years 20 years down the line and realizing that they do know what they're doing it's such a mm. it's really reassuring for lots of people as well so it's just wonderful yeah. And it's so lovely because I think, you know, the world that we live in with social media, I mean, I find the world of Instagram so, I, I just it's just quite scary, isn't it? And you've ha- I've had to learn to not compare myself to all those little squares that drop, you know, yeah. pop up. And you think you there is that kind of, well, what do they do? Why, why am I doing it? You know, and some of it is great learning, but other, other it can make you feel really insecure. And I think having a base like this where you can realise that actually we're all going through the same stuff. We've all been there. We've all been at the kitchen table saying we've all had our moments of disaster. Yeah. You know, let's just support each other. And, um, you know, is and it is that women supporting women. I know there are men in the industry, but mostly it is ladies. Um, but, you know, it is, it is supporting each other through and, and being honest with people. I think, especially after the last year and a half, I don't think there should be 
there should be kind of competition in, in that kind of essence. Yes, you can, you know, businesses can work alongside each other and still be competitive, but, you know, support is really important. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I've always, I've always believed in. I think that's just, you've got to support other businesses because it makes you a better business. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Girl Flower Podcast. Please subscribe, share and review on your podcast provider and help us to reach out and connect with other florists, growers and enthusiasts. 